Good morning, everyone here at the Investing Stuff You Should Know podcast. Again, we have another great guest, a guest that has experience, knowledge, and success. And he's about to share all the things he's learned in the real estate, the fund space, and all these kinds of things. So Chris, thank you for, uh, his actually name is Chris, probably should have introduced with the name, Chris Bounds. And so thank you for being here and uh, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Johnny. Absolutely, man. So I see, it looks like that you were a into real estate and then there's a private pilot and some other things I see kind of in your social media. So give us just a little back, background on kind of, of how you got to this, uh, this real estate space and, uh, you know, and also the fun space. Yeah. The, I mean, if you want to go way back into the beginning, um, I, I really observed through osmosis, my, my grandfather, he basically lived like the rich dad type of uh, life uh, way before the book was ever written, building a business taking all the the profits and you know and investing in real estate so he, he played monopoly all over uh, central texas and so i saw that my my parents had a rental property and uh, so i remember going there as a kid uh, in between tenants and helping clean uh, clean up and then um in college uh, i read rich dad poor dad everything started to click and ended up flipping four houses uh within my first year with uh despite having no job um, I say no credit, but really, were you, were you still in, were you still in college or Chris or no? Yeah, that was a senior. senior okay, college, okay, yeah, you know? yeah, that's awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah, and um, so you know, I had credit, just bad credit, because you know they would mail you the free credit cards, and I was like, cool, and that paid for like a weekend boot camp. I'm not really recommending people do that, but um, I, I did, and just hustled, paid that off, and uh, made some money along the way. Awesome, man. So, so what did you get your uh, degree in? And then technology you- management. I'm I'm a professional PowerPoint presentation giver. <laughs> it it was a you- new major at the time. And was uh, it? okay. So going to AM, like it's an engineering and mechanical school. So um I, I did quickly realize that um high-end math, like calculus, not really the best at that. So engineering was out. Um definitely didn't want to go into anything like, like biomedical sciences. Uh I wanted to do business, but it's a really, really tough school to get into unless you get into it straight up from high yeah. school. Um, so I saw technology management, which had business uh business minor woven into it and um went that route. Awesome, man. Um, so you, I think you probably already had a sense that you were uh, an entrepreneur and you weren't you weren't destined for a job as a W two employee. Um, is that true? Absolutely true. Um, I mean, from a young, uh, being really young, you know, I, I was always coming up with money making schemes. Uh, you know, a, a lot of it was peddling contraband uh, at school, candy. Um, other things, which we don't have to talk about. <laughs> it was no, no, nothing illegal. You know, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't like sell drugs or anything, but um, <laughs> just uh, things that I shouldn't have been selling at school. So um, did that created like uh, membership clubs <laughs> from, uh, with, with, with my friends. We'd all like chip in and it would cover like candy and, and things like that. So yes, um, the, the ideas got better over time. What, uh, what what would you recommend for, so like as that child and then maybe as parents, you know, that they, maybe they want to foster that or maybe even um, allow the option. What would you, what would you recommend from it, from an educational perspective for families to do with children, or maybe they could be infants, you know, children or, or teens, what would you recommend there? So we foster just as a community, 
more of that entrepreneurial spirit or the allowing them to know that that's an option. Give us a couple yeah, of I mean, there. encouraging it and 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 letting them learn along the way and uh, you know helping them a little bit, um, whether that's financially or 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 whatnot, but ultimately letting them fail too. Because entrepreneurship is all about failing. Because failure, learn, try again, and it's a, it's a constant loop. I'm completely okay with that. That's just in my DNA. Yes. And I, I just got more of an effort attitude. Like I'll just figure it out. And like, uh, you know, if that, that didn't work, okay, well, let's just do it again. Uh, try something different or, or, or whatever. I'm, so it's, it's a constant learning experience. So uh, by not letting them go through that process and forcing them down another avenue, i.e., traditional school, you're going to go get a, you know, become a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or whatever. And that's not in their DNA. It, it ultimately creates a few problems down the line. Uh, unhappiness being, being a big one, yeah. uh, possibly even resentment. Um, it, it takes years, maybe even decades off of their life, pursuing things that ultimately don't fulfill them. And as parents, we really want things that are, we, we want the best for our kids. Um, yes. And I, th- I think today, uh, you know, we grew up, um, I don't know how old you are, you're probably, probably similar. And I'm, I'm turning 40 this year. So we grew yeah. up in the time Very similar. where yep. entrepreneurship was not really cool when we were kids, but towards like the college and, and then now getting into like the 2005 to now, like it, it's a cool thing. Like it, it's something cool. It's out there. There's all these like side hustle uh, things you can do. Um, so it, it's probably a little bit more accepted now, um, th- than it was back then, uh, w- which is a good thing. Cause some, some folks will realize like they'll try it and they hate it. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. hate it, And that's okay. Yeah. Like yeah. They're, 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 they may be a lot more geared to being the aid to an entrepreneur as opposed to being the one that's going to shoulder that burden themselves. Absolutely, man. So give us a timeline there. So like, I'm kind of like segueing from your, uh, your thing that you just mentioned, your idea that you just mentioned of, you know, trying and failing, trying and failing as an entrepreneur. Um, I know you've done multiple businesses. Uh, give us a couple of things that you, that you've done. And that's just, I think that's of interest. Yeah, I, I want to start off with a couple of things that I didn't do, but and reflecting back, you know, I can see how this was all always in my DNA is that I was probably in middle school. You know, we had like the Pentium 90, like you remember those things, like it was awesome. Wolfenstein 3d, uh, AOL, you get the little CDs, but I was like, man, like you had the huge, or they were small, but very bulky monitors. I'm like, these things are eventually going to be small and they're going to be picture frames. Like, and you won't have to like print pictures and you'll be able to hang up on the wall. Now I didn't really have the education as a, I wasn't a farm boy, but I definitely grew up way in the country to, yes. to really like, how, how do you build this? And I was like, you're going to buy everything online. There's going to be like this whole internet commerce online. Amazon came out later on. So, um, you know, I, I was very forward thinking in, in that sense. So um, started a club at AM, and um, because there was there was no real estate investment club so or or there was but it was you know basically old and dusted and like no one went so um <laughs> started my this own dying this dying dinosaur club at the college no one yeah yeah I, I mean I, probably someone probably started it and graduated yeah. and left so um i started my own 
Um, and it was free. Um, so as a venture, we just got together and played the game cash flow from, from which I poured it. Um, uh, you know, I, I've sold some stuff, um, here and there, but really almost everything is real estate related. Sure. Um, like everything going forward. So it started off flipping wholesaling, then went into rentals and then flipping at scale now more holding and capital raising for, um, you know, large apartment complexes. Would you recommend that other investors follow that path, Chris? <laughs> um, I mean, you don't have to. Like, here, here's a good question. Should I go into multifamily or commercial straight up? Like, yeah. sure. Like, I, I don't know. Do you want to? I mean, you, you got to understand that if you go into single family, it's going to be a little bit more transactional based. You're going to have a little bit more transactions. Can be a faster sales process than going straight into commercial. But if you love commercial and you really want to build your career in it, just go straight up. You like you don't have to. There is no rule that you have to graduate from single family to multifamily, for or sure. Single family and then go to like self storage units. I was I met a guy at a, at a meetup and I his first and at least from what I recall um, from our conversation, his first investment is uh, warehouse storage, like like and not even buying. It's like developing warehouse storage and getting clients like Amazon. Like, okay. And he's a pretty young guy and he started a fund. And uh, I think he just recently closed on that property. Wow. So, that's amazing. yeah, it's you, you can do that. I ended up going the single family route, but um, it's, and most people will do that. It's, it's, it's a little bit more obtainable mentally, I think. So it makes it an easier uh, bite to chew. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, to re restate in another way there, I mean, like it's very, you know, it's where your goals are, uh, where you want to go, if you've thought about your goals. And then uh, maybe a, discuss, a discussion for another time is maybe your own personality. Like you said, you know, a moment ago, like, you know, you could be start the entrepreneurial route in life and you just, you hate it. Like it's too encumbering, it's too burdensome. You want to, you know, just you're, you, you want to focus elsewhere and you, you're, you're, uh, you're really good with, you know, you know, uh, fulfilling a very, you know, a niche role and doing really well at that. So that's, you know, that's, there's different personality types and those things kind of match into that or they, they align with that. Something I'm working on, Chris, is, uh, you know, growing a community, you know, as a mechanical engineer, I'm, you know, my, <clears throat> my target audience is, you know, other engineers in the space here. And it, it, uh, it looks like you um, have started maybe a, a club or a, a training program or some type of, um, um, program to help other agents. I think you were an agent and then you, you saw maybe a need to maybe show people how to uh, invest uh, at, at scale or uh, can you elaborate a bit on that? Yeah, most real estate agents. So I got my life, um, 05 flip four houses, graduated, had a good life, making good money in a sales job. Um, but the thing that gets in the way of a great life is a good life. I had a good life, making good money, no debt. Um, I like that, got, I like that. <laughs> got married in 2011. Priorities change now. Um, so we start buying rentals, uh, get licensed in 2014 at the advice of, um, uh, he's, they call him like a legend here in Houston. He's, fl he's flipped like over 2,000 houses. Oh my God. <laughs> and he he was like, if you want to, because there's, there's, there's this misnomer that if you get your real estate license, it's going to hurt your investing career. And ultimately he was like, if you want to be a professional in this business, like you need to make it official, get your license. It's only going to add more tools and resources and education. I, I like long that term. You know, 
Yeah, so I like so that piece. I ended up doing that, and then I realized like most agents, they they do well, they want to invest, but they don't they don't know how, and they think they don't have enough money, which that is just another education uh, uh, problem. It it ultimately comes down to they just don't know how, even though they desire it. So and they're they're so close to it, right? They're like around it every day. I mean, maybe they're the insiders. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have them bring me deals. <laughs> like back then, way before it got like way crazy and they could just put it on the market and get multiple offers. Like I'd have them, hey, if it wasn't like in there, they didn't want to advertise or put on the market because it doesn't look good with all their luxury listings. They're like, hey, Chris, <laughs> uh, this client, they just inherited the house. It, it's in pretty rough shape. You want, you want to check it out? And I'm like, sure. And I remember one distinctly in Sugarland, Texas, which is a, one of the wealthiest, you know, uh, submarkets in Houston is, and it was a beautiful house, like not move-in ready. We had to do some cosmetics, but great shape. And we bought it and we made a killing off it. We rented it out um, for a few years and sold it and did really well. But if the agent really understood how to do it themselves, they, you know, probably would have been able to profit themselves. So ultimately they just created a scam that cream for themselves. Right. I mean, some agents do that, but like you're like, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have, if there was a need, you wouldn't have had the opportunity to start something up there. Right. That education. Yeah. Well, ultimately agents need to realize two things. One, they have to build wealth for for themselves because most brokerages out there, I'm with EXP. So they have some wealth building components to it, but most brokerages don't have that. So they need to build wealth themselves. They just happen to be insiders in real estate. Might as well make it real estate buy some properties or two, differentiate their client bases. Cause um, uh, I've seen some posts circulate over the past couple of days where upwards of 15 to 20% of all transactions that happened last year were investor transactions. And in a low inventory market, market that's significantly a high percentage when it used to be like three to 5%. So they either need to invest themselves, highly recommend that, and or learn how to work with investors or what investors want. So when those things come up, those opportunities come up, they can better help their clients or make the appropriate recommendations to where that, you know, their clients can get served. Right. How do you bridge that gap, Chris? So I'm uh, generalizing this to across other professionals. And how do you bridge that gap, that initial um, desire? And then you bridge the, you know, then you show them, some stuff you give them some knowledge and then they actually can, are you know then that enables them to take action inside that what is yeah. the uh, what do you see there it it's not easy and really it's not limited to real estate every profession out there like we're Absolutely. all responsible for our own wealth building it's just other companies especially larger ones they typically have 401k type plans real estate brokerages don't because you're independent contractors um so it, it's not easy. You can educate them. Most won't. Even the folks that are going straight in, hey, I want to know, I want to learn about real estate license or not. Most will never buy the first house. Um, it just comes from keeping them plugged in. Um, and, you know, I focus on content. Um, I mean, I, I know for myself, like that there, there, there's been pieces of content have been floating out there and then boom, the right time. That same content that I heard many times before it like yes, hit me. Yes, or yeah. rereading a book. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you go reread read a book and then you just really catch another, you know, nugget in there that you missed the first time. So um and just being engaged. 
being engaged. Okay. You're being engaged. And then so constantly, uh, I guess, you know, continually, I guess, providing the value and education and then, you know, helping, uh, you know, and like you said, it's just kind of generalized across professions where there's this knowledge gap. You just simply don't know that it's, it's even a thing, or you don't know, maybe you have the desire and you don't know how to take that. Like, it feels like a big step into like, oh, I don't know what commercial real estate is, which is a huge, uh, you know, huge area to, to cover. Um, but so you and most don't realize it themselves because real estate real estate agents, um, you know, specifically, they're they own nothing because they, they don't own unless they own unless they buy the brokerage, they buy the franchise outside of EXP Realty and very, very, very few brokerages that have copied what they've done with um, you know, stock ownership. Yes. They don't own anything. So they can work mm. five, seven, 10, 15 years. And they they make a lot of a lot of money, but they don't own their they don't own their business. They're, they're yes. just an independent contractor. So usually it, it, it clicks in along the way. It's like they get tired of the rat race. Like the sexiness of real estate starts to wear off uh, with problem clients or just the fact that they have to hustle on Saturdays and Sundays instead of being with their family. And they have to do open houses or, or whatever, and then. You, you know, then that piece of content, it was like, Hey, what if you were making an extra $1,500 a month, um, you know, from, from rental properties, how would that change your life? Yeah. Which is yeah. easy to do. Um, and it's not life-changing, but for a lot of people that relieves a lot of stress an extra 1500 bucks a month. Yeah, for sure. And like you, that, that maybe that, that is the, the weekends or maybe two, you know, maybe a couple weekends or something maybe you work, you know, two, you don't do work two, and that like, Hey, that, that could actually liberate that. You could see the, that option of, of kind of, of coming up here. So really, really good. So yeah, we talked about obviously your background and then this kind of this platform and that's ongoing, right? That's a, that's a continual thing that you, that you Correct. engage in, you create always mm-hmm. creating value for the, your community. Do you have like meetups or like online events or what's, what's been your, uh, your, your, uh, your, your insight there? What works yeah, best? We took a break over the summer, just as I was um, knee deep in, in launching the, the latest fund. So yeah. um, I have a monthly podcast called Real Estate Hacking Live. Um, that that one's virtual, where we have multiple guests and we talk about uh, you know a single topic. So the, this this upcoming one, we're going to be talking about the real estate market going forward, and uh, that's on the first Tuesday of the month, live at eleven a.m. Central. Um, so it's very rapid fire, ten minute guests, multiple perspectives on a single topic. Um, and then I started a new one recently. So COVID shut down, you know, the, the in-person stuff. Yeah. So um, once that started lifting um, earlier this year, we brought back in-person. We used to do a lot of in-person and uh, I call it real talk. And it's only one or two guests and it's more of a deep dive into a topic. Okay. Yes. And yes. We did that a couple of times and that one is live stream because, you know, not everyone's in Houston, but um that that one was great because like now we can actually talk with people, engage, shake hands. Uh, you get that personal relationship building. Um, so you know that one kicks off again. We've been doing that around the second Tuesday. It's not really a hard and fast schedule, but um, th- those are a couple meetups. Um, I speak at events pretty often, and uh, I collab with um, other folks and in, in their events. Beautiful man, beautiful. So this, uh, if it's true, this uh, other company that you founded, Invest in Equity. Uh, tell us about that. And how, like, well, how do you how did you know to start it? How did you think to start it? Did it kind of grow out from something? And then what is it? Yeah. And so um, officially, it was started last year. The the brand came later. Um, we in in twenty twenty we started actually twenty eighteen we started realizing hey flipping it's kind of like commissions. 
it's kind of like an agent doing commissions. Like you can make a lot of money. It's just not, it's not really going to build wealth because you got to keep doing it. So we started scaling back flipping, scaling up more holds. And then 2020, we shut off flipping strictly holds now. And um, uh, along that, along that time, we, it was last year, a, a friend of mine from a mastermind had a great opportunity for a very large 300. It was a 384 unit apartment complex in Daytona beach, Florida. Oh, Florida. Okay. One. I was gonna say, Oh, it's just you. Cause everyone, like everyone that I know all over is in Texas. So I was like, it's gonna be Texas. Yeah. No, it's in Florida. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This one's in Florida <laughs> and it was like a $41 million uh, price. And he was like, you know, we got to raise 12 million. Um, we, I'm a small co GP on that one. Yeah. Yes. And um, it, uh, it was a good, test at where we wanted to go forward and what my personal, because I've, I've raised 19 million over the years for the flips we've done. Yeah. And it was a good test on what my personal investors, you know, what, what their desires would be for something like that. Well, and, if, they, um, if they would go with you, right. If they go through with this, this, this next phase in your journey, right. Correct. And most didn't. And I, I anticipated that. Yeah. Yeah. But everyone that didn't, or not everyone, but most of those who didn't, it was, hey, how's it going? How's it going? Let me know when your next one is. And I anticipated that. Like, it's That's new it. for them. Yes. So they're gonna they're they're gonna wait and see, and then okay, they'll come on board uh, later on. So I was gonna do it anyway. It made sense. It was a killer deal, and um, uh, so we did that. And so, so that's been going well. And then we well, got- I think just to pause it real quick, I think that's a key. That, that's actually a key insight. As people speak, you know, a lot of times they 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 share stuff that's very valuable to the listener, whether they're a passive investor or an active investor, or syndicator, or fund manager. And that is like if you're branching, you have this you have this investor base, and you know this, and it's really okay. And then some new asset class shows up, or perhaps the uh, the the principles pivot to some some newer opportunity, something that's you know more scalable. And then obviously there's a reluctance there. And then so you, like you said, you had the insight and the knowledge that like yes, probably a lot, a lot or many are, will not come along on this new venture, but they still know you. They're still curious, and they're going to reach out and say, you know, so like what? How, they're going to always they want a proof of concept. So I think yeah. it's really valuable to you know just to bring and that up. It's a fine line um, in, in my action between conviction and foolishness. So sure. the feedback you could you receive, you got to be able to wrap that around. Elon Musk comes out with a crazy idea of building and you know a battery operated car company or a drilling company or a, you know a space company. Like a lot of people thought that was foolish, but he was he was he had conviction that yes. not only did we need that, but it was possible and he could do it better than anyone had ever intended before. Um, in my small world, same thing here. I was very confident in the asset. I was confident on the operators. And I was confident on where I wanted to go. So those who want to go with me, cool. I'll stay in touch with everyone else. So same thing with what, what we're doing next. So we um we, we just launched the next fund and in analyzing with a lot of syndications and, and and what the value proposition is for for the operators, um, and also what investors and my investor base typically has desired. But beyond that, what larger investors, especially accredited investors desire, it's not the ins and outs of various transactions where they're having to personally manage their money on a continuous basis. Case in point, I would borrow on average 10% in one point for flips. And they think they're getting 10% from me. And yes. they're not because I borrow the money for three months, pay them back. Six weeks later, I borrow it again, pay them back. 
eight weeks later, I bought it again. So at the, at the end of the year, they, they average around maybe seven and a half, eight percent. Because of the, with the time, the missing time gaps, it's right? It's debt time. It's in you're the bank at, account. Earning aver- you, you average out and then obviously inflation is like eating it like, a, like an acid, eroding it as fast as possible. Especially yeah. now. So, so if you take that in consideration, like they're making even less. So yeah. ultimately, it, it's like, how can we create something that solves that problem to where uh, investors that want to be diversified across multiple assets and have a consistency and returns on a monthly basis, along with big blends along the way, along with the diversification and have various components in it that you would normally see like in a in a REIT, but still yes. have all the benefits of private equity of you know tax benefits and um, things like that. Uh, that's really cool, man. That's really I love, I love that insight, and also like you know you you can essentially pitch it and show them why this is better, you know, and then you, how you've leveraged that to be better, kind of on a from a structural basis here. So, um, uh, you looks like I, I see on your your social media here it says Chris is an Ironman finisher endurance race enthusiast. <laughs> so you're you're not I've never done that kind of race, but I, I admire people that do that. What's the motivation there, Chris? So uh, the motivation behind the Ironman is two prong. One, I, I'd always want to actually uh, three. So one, I'd always want to do one. Two, um, I had an injury. It's just been I've got like a I herniated some discs in my neck, got that fixed, but have ongoing problems with it. Yeah. And I was thinking I took like a year off thinking, hey, well, maybe like not working out. Well, it'll fix itself. It didn't. So I was like, eh, if, <laughs> if it bothers me, whether I work out or not, at least I'll work out and I'll feel better. Yeah. And but now I'm I'm kind of depressed because I'm out of shape, like and I've never been out of shape. And so and then the second thing that happened is a buddy at church, um, I forget, he, he weighed like 300 pounds. He just finished an Ironman. He lost oh, like it was oh like God. 180 wow. pounds or I, I forget the math. He lost a significant amount of weight. And the dude looked ripped now. Like, really? Oh, smokes. Wow. He just finished an Ironman. It started with a couple triathlons. <laughs> yeah. Then he did Ironman. I'm like, oh, come on, man. He does an Ironman. Like, don't be a chump. So, boom, I signed up for one. I think I had maybe seven, eight weeks to train for it. Yeah. Uh, I did one small triathlon. I'd done triathlons before. So, I did one small one um, just to give me a refresher on the motions and just did it. I'd never ran a marathon before, I'd never biked over really 50 miles before definitely never swam two miles before. So yeah. um, <laughs> I just was confident in my ability to keep going. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's back to the entrepreneur thing. It's like I had my, my superhuman strength. Isn't that I'm super talented in all these things. It's yeah. just, I just don't give up. Yeah. Um, the persistence. Outside of injury, the persistence yes. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing, man. That's amazing here. Well, I think that kind of, I think that's a good wrap there on that of, of why, you know, your personality and then kind of leveraging all those things across the, the spectrum and how it, you know, there's integrity there between like, you know, this things that you've chased down, like, you know, doing Ironman triathlon and also like your kind of persistence and your ability to keep going throughout this your career. So, well, thank you for joining us. I'll obviously always want to give the audience a chance to reach out um, if they're, especially if they're in the Texas market or whatever, and they want to learn more about what you're doing or maybe attend your meetup. Uh, what's the best way to reach out and connect? Yeah, I'm all over social media. So LinkedIn, which um, is how we connected, um, yes. in, Instagram, you know, both of those. So invested agents or my personal name, Chris Mounds, um, you can find me pretty much anywhere on there. Uh, the the website investedx.com, that, that'll show the family of brands. You can um, connect with us. We've got a free community for those who are interested in learning more about real estate investing. Um, 
or or even passive investing opportunities. Beautiful, man. Yeah. So our guys, you heard it from the man himself, uh, Chris Bounds. Of course, we will put the links to his uh, contacts in the notes for the show. And then for us on our side here, we thank obviously thank thanks we thank Chris for being with us and uh, for you the audience for listening to another episode of Investing Stuff You Should Know. Uh, give us a like, give us a review. We always appreciate that. It helps the show grow. And we'll wrap it up there. And Chris, thanks for participating. Absolutely, thanks for having me.